Hello and welcome. You are listening to Navigating the Metaverse, where we interview trailblazers in the NFT and metaverse space who share their insider advice for how to do business in the Web 3.0 era. Your hosts are Tommaso DiBartolo and Kathy Hackle. And this series is brought to you by Upland and Decrypt Media, your go-to media source for demystifying Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the decentralized web. By the way, did you know that you can buy, sell, and trade virtual land inside of Upland, the metaverse that is mapped to the real world? People love it because Upland is so much more than a game. Uplanders earn real money by running so-called meta-ventures where they sell virtual goods, aka NFTs, to others. Even better, a super engaged and helpful community helps newcomers to make first steps in this dynamic and fast-growing metaverse a lot of fun. You can download Upland on iOS or Android or enter it on the web by using the referral link in the show notes. Grab your special sign-up bonus of 6,000 UpX today and start rebuilding the world with others. With that being said, enjoy today's episode. And good morning or good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are tuning in from. Another episode, should I say, from the metaverse, for the metaverse. I'm so excited to be here today with Tom, Sandeep and Gabriele and always with Kathy Hacker. So great to have you. Kathy, how are you today? Tommaso, I'm doing great. I'm doing really, really good. I'm really excited about the folks we have today. I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, conversation. Speaking of which, let me introduce our amazing lineup of panel. Gabriele Bernasconi is the CEO of, in the States you would call it Genuino, but I know the Italian version Genuino where they connect physical and digital commerce with authentic digital sports memorabilia. They help sports brands create trust with consumers by bringing transparency, traceability, and tradability of real-world objects into the digital frontier. Gabriele, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, uh, Tommaso, for having uh, myself here. And uh, I'm really happy to know you all. Very excited to have you. Tom, Tom Kozik. Kozik or Kozik? How you go, Tom? Kozik. Kozik is a co-founder, chief product officer as at uh, Campus Legends, which is a social-driven community for officially licensed collegiate digital collectic- collectibles. Such a great pleasure to have you. Really curious to hear your stories on that, Tom. Oh, thank you, Tommaso. It's great to meet uh, everyone else here as well. Fantastic. And Sandeep Nailwall is the co-founder and chief operating officer at Polygon Studios an NFT-focused gaming and metaverse hub backed by a $100 million US dollar fund and already has multiple NFT projects. Multiple is understatement. I'd add to that with Decentraland, OpenSea, Sandbox, Somium, Decentraland Games, etc. More than 300 gaming and NFT decentralized application and excited to hear your story, Sandeep, on how you went from an idea to the success story that you have today. Very excited to have you all in this panel today. Thank you so much, Thomas, for uh, such a kind intro. Uh, yeah, excited to be here. Sandeep, maybe we start a kick of things uh, uh, with uh, with your success story. Um, how did you come up with the idea? What was the moment that you started off things? And when was it? What was the circumstance, right? And what was the first maybe aha moment when you said, when you said I think it's working? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... 
uh, I mean, it's been a long journey. Like, although people think that you know Polygon, uh, you know, came recently, and you know, like, uh, I mean, uh, you know, we 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 rose to prominence, like let's say in the last uh, 12, 15 months. Uh, but you know, we have been at it for quite some time. Like, we have been building the solution uh, because you know, to build a blockchain infrastructure takes time. Uh, you know, we have been uh, working uh, on the product for last two years. and uh, the one of the core focus areas always for us was that we first wanted to get a platform or build a build a platform which actually gets users right because in blockchain space as a there's a you know I, let me be candid like you know there's a lot of scam to be honest everybody wants to do like you know create some product show an idea show a promise and then at the end of the day like you know and then launch a token and then you know token does it singing and dancing in the market and all that and then eventually nothing comes out like you know those like today only uh, you know somebody was asking me that what do what do investors look look at in this space like what kind of metrics they look at like you know my response was like unfortunately right now no no metrics right like you know everybody is still you know to a large extent is is investing on promises and things like that so we were very clear that from day zero we want to build something which is not like a you know 10 years on promise or some promise which can't be fulfilled it's not like some air castle that we want to build we want to build technology that works and we wanted to make sure that it gets adoption so the adoption has been always the north star so you know i think that helped the loss helped us a lot anything we do any decisions we do uh, within the within the polygon uh, you know kind of community or uh, the developer groups it's always driven by adoption like will it help us to get more adoption will it make it easy for the people to adopt polygon will it make it easy for the developers to build on polygon so that was the core base area and this was like you know we've been at it since 2017 um but uh, the aha moment like you know i was just actually there have been multiple aha moment i what i was always just talking backstage like you know kathy you know just uh, told me so clinic uh, you know i think she was uh, helping clinic to do nfts and clinic is a you know multi billion dollar brand and all that and suddenly one day we saw on the on twitter that oh clinic is there and they have launched and 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 you know that was like the day like you know okay like because you know nobody interacted from polygon team with clinic and they did it like they chose polygon on their own accord i think some of these success stories i think uh, it's been like i think nfl uh, is also doing something on polygon and then you know i mean the, if i start talking about the, the things like there are many many things that i can talk about like tom brady's own platform is on polygon and as you were saying that most of the metaverses that we talk about uh, most of them exist on polygon and uh, and and you know like but yeah like some of the moments like what uh, with kathy and uh, you know what they did at clinic these are the moments like which make us most happy because you know our goal is eventually we become like we don't have to go and uh, evangelize people pick polygon itself and i think that is a prime example that i can quote And Sandy, I'm going to jump in because I think that there's a lot of synergies. The clinic part, like like you said, it was like, oh wow, what are those, you know, collaboration and co-creation and community in this space is just happening naturally. So it's really yeah. exciting. Actually, you and I are also partners at Outlier Ventures. Uh, so oh, we're wow. both, yeah, we're both part of that cohort of investors that you know is investing yes. in Web three. Um, yeah. So it's really exciting. Um, Tom, I want to ask you something, and Tomaso, you know what I'm going to ask because I ask this in every one of the episodes, and I think Tom, uh, Tom, and, and Gabriel are going to be able to answer and talk a little bit about that. Okay. When when we talk about the metaverse economy, 
Right. I'm really interested in community and, and authenticity and, 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 and utility. And especially for some reason, I find myself always going back to the, the future of fandom. Right. Right. The future of how fans engage in this new era. Right. Uh, so we'd love to hear your perspective, Tom and, 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 and Gabriele, on, um, on the future of fandom and how you guys view right. that, because it's like your work is very much involved in that. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Kathy. And by the way, I uh, do props to Cindy. It's such an honor to, to meet you. And uh, I'm a huge fan of what you've done with the, with the platform yeah. there. Um, the, um, Kathy, to your question, what's interesting for us is that, you know, we're focused on, you know, instead of, I, I like to look at the fact of the names that we see of all the different platforms out there. Our name is very descriptive of exactly who we're talking about. It's the campus legends. It is the athletes, it's the stars. And, and those, and the, and the stars of yesteryear and the stars that are up and coming, the current student athletes who are building their careers. And, you know, it was a key premise when, when Tim Tebow, our founder, put the company together that we were designed around helping the athlete because those athletes have those fandoms, just like you talked about. And how do we help the athletes, even the current student athletes, monetize that fandom? And that fandom may best be, you know, their friends and family in their, in their hometown. It may be on the national stage or international stage, given some of the prominence of some of these athletes. And community is critically important to what uh, we're doing, like you talked about. It's, you know, too many of the other marketplaces that are ori ori oriented around simply uh, speculation or trading um, with the intent of, of making a profit on trades. Um, that's a valid business model, but that's not a community. That's that's a trading platform. You know, that's as much of a community as maybe Robinhood is a community, right? Um, when you talk about fandom, it is the tailgate party. It is the the gathering at the sports bar. It is people getting together because they have a common fandom from an alumni uh, a school that's around the mater or the, uh, particular sports fans. And so we really tried to build first and foremost around that, that community of fandom and connecting them to their athletes. And again, it was part of Tim's um, premise and the value proposition and our mission is to help these athletes um, enjoy all these benefits that are coming out of the Web 3.0 metaverse economy. And ultimately, you know, you do, you will see these athletes exist in metaverse environments, um, whether those are virtual environments like maybe a sandbox or others. Um, you'll see, you'll see these athletes take form there. And we go out and license with the school to make sure that all the licensing is, is appropriate. It's not just about taking an athlete and putting their image up. It is about doing it in school uniform with the school's blessing, with the school's support and marketing and all that in, involved. So uh, I hopefully that answers your question about our, our view of fandom and how do we how do we drive that forward? Yeah. And I love that because it's very much related to the name, image and likeness. Right. That was Correct. approved in the United States for for athletes and in college and in high school. I mean, it's amazing that the evolution that's happening there and how, um, you know, athletes are, are being able to benefit from it the way they've never done before. So. There, you know, kudos to you, Tom, and to Tim Tebow. Um, go Gators! I didn't. I'm not a Gator, but I lived in Gainesville, so <laughs> carry some of that with me. Um, Gabriele, what about you? I mean, you're obviously you're 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 in, you're based in Europe, or I mean, you might. I'm not sure. I think you are based in Europe, but uh, the fandom around soccer and a lot of the sports. Um, you know, tell us a little bit more about how you see the future of fandom in this metaverse economy, right? Yeah. Uh Thanks, thanks for the question, and uh, I'm happy to give you a different uh, prospect from um, the European uh, sports scene, because uh, obviously here in Europe, especially uh, related to football, things are totally different. Where we started, we started uh, from, let's say, 
two big problems. The first one, when we speak about the sport collectible market, we speak about a $15 billion market and 50% of it is counterfeited. The second issue that is super big, especially given by the fact that every one of us has been impacted by COVID as well as the sport organization, is the fact that between 50 to 80% of the revenues that are generated by sport businesses are generated during game day activities. So think about sponsorship, think about media rights, and think about what happened during COVID. Everything got shot. Think about sports, how the PNL of these clubs and teams, especially here in Europe, have been impacted so hard. So I think technology could be the real way to save uh, this economy. And uh, when we started, we started uh, to focus, okay, when uh, we think about athletes, we think about uh, experiences, uh, we think about uh, that we go to stadium and we, because we want to see the performance of the athlete. And uh, we want to get out of the stadium with, with a piece of that performance. But obviously, it comes at the authenticity piece. So how can I have a piece of that performance and I can be 100% sure that what I'm buying is really authentic? And that's why Genuino got burned, to connect digital NFTs to physical real-world items. And we focused at the beginning on the match-worn jerseys, so the jerseys that are worn by athletes. And then we said, okay, once this authentication and certification piece is done. So we've been able to connect digital and physical. How we can create a storytelling behind teams, how we can create a new revenue streamline that at the moment are not leveraged by team and sports federation and activities. And that's why we build up the entire storytelling behind the Fiorentina. Fiorentina is our first use case, but the idea came out uh, analyzing the 95 years of history of Fiorentina and thinking about how we could engage a consumer with a mixed experience between digital and physical. And from that idea, we start uh, rebuilding from scratch in all the 3D jerseys that made the history of Fiorentina. We, start, we try to think about how to contaminate sport with other industries, with music, with sport, with art, always thinking about... Uh, putting together digital and physical. And the experience, the final experience was uh, the experience everyone is used. So just uh, open uh, packs and uh, as they were used uh, when they were kids, like uh, opening album uh, of trading cards. And that's why, and uh, I really love what Sandeep said at the beginning, everything that we are doing is for adoption. Because I think uh, that this space is going to gain a lot of traction if uh, with what we are doing as entrepreneurs, we are going to be able to bring this space to mass. And I think sports is the real space where we can get those masses. Yeah, we definitely we definitely see a lot of of sports as well as music, right? Uh, uh, having uh, great value propositions and 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 creating great experiences, right? Thank you so much, Gabriela Sandeep. I wanted to hear your 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 perspectives based on your experiences, right? There are in Q1, Q2, we saw roughly a million, a million three in each per quarter in. Uh, in revenues regarding NFTs in Q3, we have roughly 10 billion that the market is saying, you know, now everybody's looking at Q4. I know from some sources, you know, it's, it's flying through the, through the roofs. Um, 
you have over 300 projects on, on Polygon, right? And, and everybody talks about NFT and no doubt that 2021 is the year of the non-fungible tokens, right? But when does actually the metaverse start? What are the attributes that you are learning when an NFT project is great and it's an NFT project and it has value in terms of marketplaces, in terms of tokens, in terms of collectibles, right? But when does actually the metaverse start or a metaverse start? What's, what's your take on that, Sandeep? Yeah. So first of all, like, as you said that, you know, like Polygon has around 300 projects. Uh, I think, you know, it's the number is 3000 actually. Uh, so, you know, Polygon has total 3000 projects. It's, it's now the most active. So wow. Yes. So Alchemy had announced the analysis, like who's an independent uh, infrastructure provider. Um, but, uh, you know, many of those projects are uh, NFTs and uh, NFT based projects and metaverses and, uh, and, you know, things like that. But I, I get your question. Like you mean to say that, you know, when this, when does this, th the whole thesis of metaverse arises, right? So uh, I think like blockchains fundamentally, because blockchain provide this, uh, you know, composability angle, right? Where you have an NFT and then I can allow that NFT to exist within my application or you have a loan somewhere and you can use your loan in a, let's say a metaverse to you know, buy, sell some NFTs or show your credit worthiness or, or a lot of things, right? Because blockchain is providing you one single ledger, which is universal in nature and is visible to all the smart contracts over each other. So this composability feature is the key thing that, that enables uh, the metaverse, right? So that's the fundamental. But on top of it, you need to have this whole ecosystem of uh, like, you know, one of the one of the most important thing, like, you know, which which is helped uh, or which which kind of help us in terms of adoption is that, you know, these ecosystem projects, like, you know, let's say the integration of OpenSea directly into Polygon, right? Like now around 60, 70% of total volume of, of, of uh, not volume, like not in terms of value, but in terms of numbers, it comes from Polygon. In terms of volume, it's still like, you know, I think five, 6%, but, you know, a lot of people are able to buy and sell these small, like $5 to $10, $20, $100 uh, NFTs. And, you know, like, this 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 hundred thousand one million dollar NFTs and all that are good to have a uh, you know good to have the 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 kind of get the market attention. But the larger kind of adoption is going to come when um, you know this this small uh, that the, the masses are able to interact with with these NFTs. Like where brands can launch every spring summer collection where you can have like let's say $500 $1000 nfts and when it can drive a real uh, you know value and things like that and then the composability like you know so basically all the ecosystem like let's say you have nft ecosystem project fractionalizations and uh, you know marketplaces and and you know various different kind of things in in, in one place then you have all these defi ecosystem projects like lending borrowing taxes exchanges all those kind of stuff are also on, on there. Then on top of like, you know, then then the then these metaverses can use all these individual elements and a single user can be part of multiple applications and then, you know, materialize his, his identity, let's say, uh, on, on the metaverses. Identity, as I said, like, I mean, I, I use like identity is also going to be more and more important part of these metaverses. So, uh, you know, I mean, individually, if you see app-specific metaverse, like these are already there, like Decentland, Sandbox and all that. But I think we are talking about metaverse in a larger sense when, you know, our individual identity 
uh, with with blockchains, you know, native ownership provisioning, uh, you know, on on the internet uh, enables a user to kind of teleport himself with all his background from one application to another. That is that is the full like you know metaverse for me. So to be honest, like I I feel I say that 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 you know the whole blockchain space is a metaverse like you know not like talking about a pure virtual uh, virtual reality world but this whole our identity existing on blockchain is itself uh, you know a part of metaverse and then you know our ethereum address uh, like users ethereum address is fastly becoming his identity because you know you have that address you hold some loan somewhere you hold some nfts and all that twitter now integrating with the you know your ethereum addresses you can sign with your metamask and then you can really use uh, your uh, let's say uh, crypto punk or whatever nft you hold uh, to have your display picture and all that stuff so this all of this will create like blockchain is the larger metaverse and within this you have these small uh, mini verses which is let's say a game or a you know vr space and things like that so one is the metaverse with capital M, and the other one you call the mini verses, right? So basically, uh, worlds and worlds, right? Uh, within within the yeah. within the overall within the overall construct. Okay, Metaverse Nation, great news! If you're enjoying this episode, you'll love our book, written by our lovely co-hosts and industry leaders in the NFT and metaverse space. We published an in-depth guide for how to succeed in the new Web 3.0 environment. How can you as a brand or a company capitalize on the momentum? How are others doing it? We demystify the industry and potential for you. The link to the book is listed in the show notes, or you can simply look for the Navigating the Metaverse book on Amazon or visit our website at themetaversebook.me. But let's get back to the show. Um, you're working on, and you mentioned something that is fundamental, right? I mean, here the, the, the topic is metaverse and then economy, right? right? Within the economy, you need to have partnership. You chose partnerships that are actually finding and defining themselves, how they collaborate with the space of blockchain, right? Most recently, I think it was in June or July, we read about the NIL, the the the. The, right. the, the new licensing model for a collegiate. What are the challenges in order for you that you had to overcome in order for you to um, sign agreements and create experiences around non-fungible tokens? Uh, great question, Tomas. So um, uh, before I dive into the answer, I, I did want to uh, follow on to something Sadiq had said. Of course. Is that, um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, we are, we are operating at Campus Legends in a 135-year-old business. You know, and, and actually, Gabriella also touched on this, uh, is that we trading sports trading commemoratives, you know, cards, you know, in the paper form, they've existed for over 135 years. And it's how do you take that knowledgeably going forward into what Sandeep was saying, when I carry my identity with me as a collector into whatever environment, whether that's a VR environment, a game, a community framework of some kind, that is the metaverse, right? It's not so much the, the visual representation, it is the carrying around my identity. And whether that's based on an Ethereum address or some other form of blockchain-based identity that perpetuates me, that's, that's gonna be the important thing. And that ties into your question around the licensing issue uh, or the, the revenue issue as it relates to it. We never intended to build a licensing machine, but then ironically, that's what we ended up having to do. The, even though the name, image, and likeness space got blown open by the Supreme Court ruling earlier this year, what we saw was that 
neither the neither, not the NCAA nor the conferences nor the schools were really equipped to understand how to deal with that. And even before NIL got opened up, you take a look at that space and you've got, of course, licensing at the school level. Then you've got the marketing relationships of who gets advertised on the billboard and the program of the game. And that's controlled by another entity. And, oh, well, the imagery of the athlete, video imagery is controlled by one entity. And that entity depends on which conference you're in. And, oh, by the way, there's another licensing entity that does all brand licensing for the school and now is somehow adopting it for athletes. It's so many layers. And we worked our way through that as a means of necessity because we wanted to, again, license at the school level because they're the most vested interest. Even though the athlete is the ultimate largest uh, beneficiary monetarily of the issuance of an NFT, a digital collectible, the school is a participant as well. And um, we needed to start with the school. And then we figured out the rest of these licensing tiers and who all the players are and slowly built out a machine, even to the point that, you know, we hired away an executive from Getty to be our head of licensing um, on the on the uh, imagery and video side. Um, we've gotten professionals from the PGA and other sports uh, organizations. Our two uh, heads of athlete relations are former pro athletes themselves, Patrick Young and uh, Kyle Parker. So we've got, you know, we built this to navigate that licensing space, to your point, and um, it's still going to change. At some point, I believe the NCAA is going to come down with new rules. Conferences are, are instantiating new rules. But you have different conferences right now today with different rules, different schools with different rules. And some schools are still sitting on the sidelines trying to wait to see what happens. Others are being more aggressive and jumping in with both feet. So it's, um, it's going to be a, an interesting area. But we do know one thing. Going back to the fandom question that Kathy had asked earlier, fans aren't, you know, they're not going to go around and look for, um, well, where can I find that Tom Brady collectible on how many different marketplaces, right? Um, and this may eventually tie back into Sadiq's version uh, or views of the, of the metaverse. You know, they're going to go to places where they know they can trade. That's going to be a brand like Autograph or in the case of collegiate athletes, hopefully it's a brand like Campus Legends where I know that all the athletes are represented. You know, all the schools are represented. We're not cherry picking this star athlete or that star athlete. We open it up to every every athlete at the school. Um, and um, to wrap up on that point, uh, to finish up, the, the point about the, um, the NIL licensing at the school level not only is there still some confusion that we're helping uh, these schools navigate, it is that um, they need to have equity across the athletes. You know, there's in the U.S. here, we have Title IX regulations around the schools can't favor one uh, sport over another. And so we're helping them actually provision the, um, the servicing of all the athletes and all the athletics, regardless of gender, regardless of sport, equally in an NFT economy versus, again, going in and cherry-picking a couple of licensees with a couple of uh, star athletes. Yeah, definitely not a lot of nuances and, and things that uh, the market needs to figure out on all parties, right? How do you, uh, what, what does it mean, NIL and, and version 01? Mm -hmm. um, how do you sign license agreements, right? What are the use of proceeds? So, so I hear you on that one, Tom. Thanks for sharing your insight. Gabriele, um, on your use case with, maybe Fiorentina or others, right? Um, the, the, the challenge that we hear very often is adoption, right? Because there are, there, we are right now still in early, early adopter phase, right? So, so I, call, I like to call them, you know, we are all kind of crypto aficionados, right? And the, 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 but now we are getting into the famous 
Jeffrey Moore's uh, crossing the chasm, a situation where we want to get into early mass adoption, right? In order to get to early mass adoption, we need to educate, right? What are the tactics that you have seen that have been working well to go from crypto aficionados to early mass adoption? What are you guys planning, doing? How are you supporting your, your business partners? So, uh, great question, uh, Tommaso, because uh, I think uh, this is uh, <clears throat> the most uh, difficult piece uh, to crack uh, because uh, obviously blockchain technology is not something easy to explain uh, to masses. But uh, I think uh, when you speak to masses, uh, what you need to uh, try to, to make it as a plan for your strategy is the fact that the NFT or the blockchain itself uh, should be considered as an enabler, as an enabler that gives uh, um, realities uh, into, in the sports business uh, the opportunity to engage and connect uh, with the consumer. And uh, when we built uh, the product, uh, obviously in order to get closer to the mass, uh, uh, we thought uh, the product uh, in, uh, in a, uh, using a user experience uh, super frictionless uh, in order uh, to give masses uh, the opportunity to get inside what we are building and what we are trying to communicate uh, with uh, uh, easy step, easy languages uh, and uh, giving them uh, the opportunity to experience and to start the experience from something they knew. Because obviously it, it could be much more easier for, for us uh, to start and build the product directly on Web3. But how do, you how do you imagine an experience for a fan who is going to the stadium uh, to engage uh, with the, the Web3 technology? This is not something that can start quickly. And uh, that's the reason why we thought, okay, we need to build something that is going to be in the between of Web2 and Web3. And our objective as a business should be to target the consumer from the web 2.0 to the web 3.0. And uh, something else regarding the experience, and uh, I know um, this, this kind of uh, uh, choice that we have done in selecting the blockchain where we base our project was uh, um, working on a uh, layer 2 AVM that was um, uh, running with a stablecoin, uh, so XDAI. And the reason why we chose, uh, we chose XDAI at the beginning uh, was uh, simply given by two different facts. The first one is because we are tra tracking and tracing the product uh, along the supply chain. Uh, and for us, it was uh, super important uh, to keep... Uh, uh, transaction cost uh, really low since uh, the number of transactions that are going to be transacted for the product are uh, quite enormous. And the second one is the fact that uh, a stable coin could have given a stable business model to clubs, but an easy way also to understand crypto to consumer. Because obviously a stable coin was not affected by the high, volati high volatility that uh, we have in the crypto market. The second thing uh, regarding, uh, let's say, how to get super close to fan and to speak to masses that we have tried to leverage is uh, the physical product because it's really important how we can interact with the consumer, how we can bring the consumer into what we are doing, what is going to, to be leveraged. 
what the consumer actually cheer for the for uh, for the fan. So we are talking about jerseys. We are talking about unique experiences. So what is the utility behind it? What is the accessibility? What is the exclusivity that we are going to give to our NFTs? And that's the the idea that we built in order to bring masses closest to what we are doing. And eventually, that's the reason why when we launched for the first time the uh, a jersey that was physical and digital, obviously a lot of consumer buy-in. And you know what happened? That a lot of consumer bought in because they wanted to get the real jersey. And then when they understood the mechanics behind the NFT, and they said, okay, now I want the NFT, just keep the physical jersey into the vault. I'm going to get it when maybe uh, if the NFT is not going to get higher in price. And I think this is a, a, a really good takeaway also from the experience because you see, we brought the consumer in through the physical item and then we started educating the consumer uh, into the NFT space. It's very interesting, very interesting. Real quick, uh, um, you would like to add something, Tom? Oh, I just want to make a mention, going back to what we're talking about with NIL and 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 Gabriel brought up exclusivity, which is really important. It, I think there's a misnomer. We've run into it when we've been out raising funds, when we've been out uh, partnering with the schools that, you know, just the same way that a, a baseball team or a football team, a basketball team doesn't sign and never signed an exclusive deal with only one trading card vendor. Um, they signed with every vendor. Um, the schools are, are doing the same and should. Some schools and some people were originally looking for exclusivity. We saw some competitors, early competitors in the space, trying to go out and sign up exclusivity. And we advise all of the schools and conferences we work with not to do that because, one, it's a restraint of trade issue, uh, ultimately. And two, like I said, the historical precedent is that not one company controls the media. Um, it's who produces the best product at the end of the day. Right. And, um, and to Gabrielle's point, the, the connecting that to a real-world experience is critical. We signed our exclusive deal with the Heisman. We're the exclusive NFT provider for the Heisman Trophy Trust, and we were just at all the events in New York this past week with the awarding of the trophy this year to Bryce Young. Um, the But we had uh, exclusive NFTs that we auctioned off that included a trip to the award ceremony, included the um, – the actual uh, award uh, gala dinner as well. So those we found are really important, and people people are attracted to that on the collector side more so than the speculator side. I love it, Tom. Thank you so much, Sandeep. Um, we could talk for hours uh, around this topics and and, and double click on on things, but I would like to uh, maybe uh, before I get into the very last visionary question. Um, touch up on a point which you put at the center of all this, which is always, you know, we're solving at the end of the day, a problem for a shifti shifting needs of the consumer, right? And the identity in Web3.0 um, is, uh, is going to become fundamental for experiences across multiple mini-versus slash metaverses, right? So what are your thoughts? What's your take of portability, interoperability, how to solve that? What's your view on that, Sandeep? So, I mean, as I was saying that, you know, uh, the, the fundamental premise of blockchain, uh, you know, especially as I was saying that, you know, Ethereum's address becoming your uh, kind of uh, your, your identity, like, you know, because on that address, if you use one address frequently, that address is your, uh, you know, identity 
is fastly becoming your identity with these domain like ens domain or uh, you know unstoppable domains you can you know tie a, a visible identity to it so uh, blockchains inherently because of that composability uh, you know single ledger uh, you know this thing they allow this portability and and, and you know um, uh, this thing within within the applications uh, in a chain in future cross chain so that is already happening that's the fundamental use of blockchain right to be honest like fundamental kind of the kind of uh, benefits of having blockchain like imagine in web2 you were if you were a um, you know user in one particular metaverse it's you know you have no way to kind of port anything from there to uh, the other metaverse unless these two web2 companies have some one to one collaboration between them integration between them but blockchain like you know you don't need any formal collaboration between them you know if there is if if one application is very popular other people other applications can build on top of it and you know get your user stats and all that from the blockchain itself so that is already there uh, but as i was as you were talking about identity like you know uh, we, we we identity has been a you know strong uh, you know kind of a problem uh, in blockchain space because sibil is a very big issue right so uh, you know sibil attacks are a very big issue when, when one person is creating multiple identities and things like that so uh, it has been one of the challenges in the space to be honest like you know where uh, um, you know we could actually build a sovereign uh, non uh, kind of third party defined uh, you know identifications for for end users but with zero knowledge technology and stuff like that uh, you know uh, we we believe that this this can be solved in uh, you know next uh, 12 to 18 months in fact one of our ecosystem team harmez Uh, they have a one of the famous projects in the space called Iden Three, uh, and using zero knowledge technology, they are you know building uh, some interesting stuff over there. Uh, so once uh, you know some of these identity solutions are able to solve uh, you know some of the things in in you know maybe twelve to eighteen months, twenty maybe twenty four, identity will become more uh, kind of strong. Right now, it's still like you know kind of wavered. Uh, you know, probably one other problem is that you can't attach like people tend to use multiple addresses. Like how can you attach? multiple addresses to one identity that is also like you know slightly challenging so some of these things can when they can be solved then full porting can be achieved but with single address i think if you are on a single blockchain uh, you know the the porting of applications uh, you know can already happen uh, multi blockchain cross blockchain it's still like you know hard thing to achieve but you have protocols like layer 0 and uh, you know other things coming up uh, which will allow these easy porting of data between chains Uh, so that will also, you know, help in the portability. Fantastic! And we're getting to an end. And usually, I like to wrap up things with uh, to bringing the future to today. Future, I call it future, uh, future present vision, right? Tom, what is? We are in the year twenty thirty. Deep, Gabriele, Tom, right? What's your business like, Tom, in twenty thirty? Who are you serving? What problem are you solving? How do you play in the within this the scope of of Web three, Dodo? What's your role there? We've presented, we've created an identity through the NFTs for each of these athletes, those that have gone on to pro careers, those are in the Hall of Fame. We've also provided an on-ramp for those high school athletes that are entering college so they can now monetize their NIL as they go into into that system. And um, those identities then again traverse is just as Cindy was saying, different different forms of the metaverse um, but provide that same That same anchor for that athlete to monetize the value that they brought to the sport and the fandom. 
So identity for athletes. Thank you so much, Tom. Gabriela, what's your take? 2030, where are you with your company? What's your, what's your core value proposition there? My core value pos proposition is uh, divided in two different parts. The first one uh, is uh, helping, uh, we have helped uh, the teams, uh, sport uh, um, entities uh, to reduce uh, the counterfeit uh, issue around uh, the, the sport industry, uh, leveraging uh, blockchain technologies uh, in order to solve this, this problem. And the second one, um, creating uh, an extension of real-life identities and bringing people into the metaverse, uh, we will be able to give a consumer and engage consumer in experience uh, that maybe they cannot uh, never experience. Uh, I'll give you an example. So I'm talking about inclusion. Think about someone that wants to go to the stadium and see a performance of an athlete and they cannot go because they cannot move. Or think about uh, watching uh, a game uh, through the lens uh, of an athlete uh, or through the lens uh, of a coach uh, which is uh, uh, outside the pitch. These are the kind of experiences uh, that the consumer is looking after and uh, the teams uh, need to focus on in order to uh, engage uh, the digital native audience because the consumption of sports uh, is totally changing. And if we are not be able to talk to the consumer that is digital native right now, the teams are in a high risk. They, don't, they will not have the funds of tomorrow. And our role is with technology to save sports. And I think technology can save sports at the moment. Well, rescue sports by 2030 with an offline to online uh, next-gen engagement and, 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 and perspective. Thank you so much, Gabriele. Sandeep, take us to the year 2030. So, you know, first of all, in by 2030, Polygon should be invisible, right? Like, you know, like we are talking about, like, think about it. Like, you know, today do we don't talk about whether our phone is working on GPRS or, or GSM SIMs or, uh, you know, it's like CDMA, which company is building our cellular towers and all that, right? So Polygon is building infrastructure. It's... You know, it's it's still not that great for the industry that we have been 13 years and then we are still talking about, like, we still not final that, okay, this is the blockchain, this is this thing. Like, you know, it's, it's people like Tom and Gabriel who are building consumer applications, they should be on the front. Like, on mobile also, you talk about Facebook, you talk about Twitter, you talk about, like, you know, e-commerce, Amazons of the world who are actually serving users in blockchain space. You know, although the technology is also really hard and this is once in a century, the multiple centuries, actually, you know, we are basically, you know, uh, reforming the entire like banking system, 300, 400 year old banking system to start with. Uh, so, uh, you know, like we are still in the very early era of this thing, like, but by 2030, hopefully this infrastructure is solved and we are talking more about the more about the D apps, which users are using. And in 2030, like. I would like to see like projects like Polygon, Solana, Ethereum go into the background and apps become the heroes. Uh, second thing is like, you know, I want like all the D apps, uh, you know, with, with the amazing work that, you know, Tom, Gabriel and, and a lot of other people are doing in the space. You know, probably we have around, uh, you know, if not uh, 1 billion, but at least 500 million users or, you know, 500 million to 1 billion users of, of blockchain and uh, blockchain applications. Also, I would love to see if large part of the applications that we interact with, like our social networks, messaging apps and other things, 
they have moved to web 3 instead of being web 2 of all this like you know data being controlled by a central party and you know people being able to, people have to trust and all that stuff so that that is where i look uh, look towards this thing with polygon like i want polygon to become like you know the fundamental infrastructure layer in the background of all these applications that are building but invisible and you know people talk about like the applications more well, thank you so much Go ahead. So, no, I just wanna, I just wanna add a couple of things. One for Sandeep uh, and one uh, for uh, for Tommy, if it's possible. Yeah. Uh, for Sa- for Sandeep, uh, I, I just wanna say that um, I think uh, the Polygon role and what you are doing, guys, uh, is really amazing. And uh, uh, we are going to be able uh, to uh, to transact from, uh, let's say, from ma- and bring masses in. Uh, if you guys are going to give us the tool uh, in order to do this kind of job, and I think uh, this is the most important role. And if I have to ask you a question, what is your advice in order? Uh, how would you take masses uh, into blockchain in an easy way without bringing them directly to Web three? Because obviously, you know. Uh, that if we talk to fans, uh, it's really difficult to bring them yeah. directly to, to yeah. Web3. It's, it's going to happen with games and NFTs, guys. And, you know, I mean, my answer is by you. Like, you know, to promote and help you guys to become really successful, <laughs> get the users, right? So, it's, it's that's, why, that's why we need... That's why we, we are connecting. And uh, <laughs> the, other one, the other one for you, Tom, how do you see it? Because uh, when I think about the NIL space, uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, this, uh, the, uh, the NIL space is the perfect spot for Genuino. Why? I, I'm thinking about athletes. I'm thinking about, uh, think about uh, the jersey of Michael Jordan when he was playing at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Think about having the opportunity to connect the physical and digital. Think about Agreed. that. Think about yeah. that fandom. Or think about the trading card. No. So mm-hmm. how do you how do you see the importance, especially when we talk about sports? Now everyone is talking about digital collectible, and it's right. easy to talk about the digital collectible because NFTs are really. Uh, on top of every market, and everyone is speculating on NFT. But what is going to happen when? Uh, the blockchain space, the Bitcoin, mm-hmm. Ethereum, the crypto market uh, is going to face uh, a bear market. And what do you think uh, is, go- is, it, is it going to be important, uh, the relationship between physical and digital in the collectible space? Uh, okay, several questions in there, but on the, I'll go to the core one. I'll try to keep it brief to, with respect to Tommaso and clock. Um, one of the things that we're uh, building out is we issue an athlete a Campus Legends card, which is an NFC card. And so when that when that fan runs up to the athlete and says, hey, can I get a selfie with you? We have these mintable moments. And so the athlete can tap the card and then mint that moment so that that fan now has that geolocation. Only that athlete has that card number. And then that's minted on the chain. So that is their own NFT. Now, that may not have some add-on sales value. You know, nobody's. I may, you, you might not find any value of a picture I took with Tim Tebow. But I want to have that as an NFT that I can continue to add experiences to. The next time I'm at a game and I capture some more footage, I can add to that experience. Similarly, when fans run up to the sports uh, uh, stars and say, can you autograph this ball? Can you autograph this jersey? Same thing. Mint the moment. And now I have a digital certificate of authenticity, which has never been available before. Right. So I love what you guys are doing. Uh, I think Genuino is a brilliant idea. 
on the front end of being able to take out the, uh, the authorized merchandise in the front end. And then there's another model of how do I capture the merchandise that's already out there or the, the you know, I wrote up with a game program and I want, the, I want the athlete to sign my game program. How do I make that a, uh, how do I put a digital certificate of authenticity against that? And uh, I think that that's where you start connecting the real world and the digital world together. Fantastic. So thank you so much, gentlemen. Gabriele, Risk, Rescuing Sports with uh, by 2030 with a virtual to physical uh, experience. And Tom, building the identity for all athletes from colleges to professionals. And Sandeep, becoming transparent, meaning infrastructure layer um, and over 1 billion users in Web3. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I really appreciate your time, your lessons. Thank you, thank you for what you're doing. I love uh, uh, what, we, uh, what, we, what you share today with, the, with our audience here. And uh, I'll meet you in the metaverse. Thank you for listening. This episode was brought to you by Upland and Decrypt Media, our go-to place for the latest Bitcoin and Ethereum news from Decrypt. Get the latest on cryptocurrency prices, breaking news, and more about Bitcoin and blockchain on Decrypt.co. Another quick reminder about a referral code for Upland, the Earth's metaverse where you can flip virtual properties, become a MetaVentures entrepreneur, or just connect with other like-minded players to rebuild the world together. Download Upland on iOS, Android, or web today using the referral link in the show notes and get a 6,000 UpX sign-up bonus. Just a quick disclaimer, the information shared on this show is for entertainment purposes only. This is not investment advice. Thank you for joining us and see you in the metaverse.